0: Hello, this is Tommy Peeler, and welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. You know that in our podcast, we have sought to cover the Psalms and come to a better understanding of them. Today, what we want to do in our podcast is ask a question Can we pray prayers calling down judgment and curses upon our enemies? These prayers are often described as imprecatory prayers. Imprecatory simply means cursing. And can we pray such prayers? The reason we study this subject at this time is because our last podcast was on Psalm 35. And in Psalm 35, we confront this concept head-on because from the very first verse, The writer is calling down curses upon his enemies. The psalm is described as a psalm of David. And he says in verse 1 Contend, O Lord, with those who contend with me. Fight against those who fight against me. He begs God to contend, he begs God to fight. We understand the term fight very readily, that this term contend was a term that was used in legal settings, in a person bringing a lawsuit against another. Lord, contend legally with those who are contending with me. Fight against those who fight against me. And as he expands on this idea of requesting God to fight against those who fight against him... He emphasizes in verses 2 and 3 that God should take up the buckler and shield, the spear and the battle axe, all weapons of battle. Lord, please take up your weapons and do harm to those who are seeking to harm me. He prays about his enemies in verse 4, let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek to take my life let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against me. May they be turned back, may they be humiliated, may they be dishonored, may they be ashamed. All of these are prayers that he makes about his enemies. In verses 5 and 6, let them be like chaff, before the wind. In Psalm 1, 4, the wicked were said to be like chaff, which the wind blows away. But here this is a prayer that they would be like chaff. And may they be pursued in verses 5 and 6 by the angel of the Lord. May their path be dark. It's difficult today, traveling in total darkness. We feel better when we're driving long distances at night to go through a city where we have street lights than we are to drive in the countryside where there are no lights. Let their way be dark and let their path be slippery. On a slippery path it's easy to fall. And in a way when one is traveling and is dark and, and and slippery and the angel of the Lord is pursuing, there is no hope for escape. We see the enemies were fighting against him, and war terminology is used in verses 1 through 3, but in verses 7 and 8, the text tells us that they have secretly fought against him, that they have spread a net for him, and caught, uh, spread a net for him, and here they are acting cunningly and secretly, and he prays that they may be caught, in the net, that they may fall into the pit which they have dug for him. Now, I granted those words of Psalm 35, verses 1 through 8, which we have briefly reviewed, seem very strong. And some ask, can we pray a prayer like that today? Can we pray a prayer like that? When Jesus taught us to pray for our enemies in Matthew 5, verses 43 through 48, in Luke 6, verses 27 through 36, can we pray for our enemies when Jesus prayed? Can we pray against our enemies like this when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing in Luke 23, 34? And Stephen, as he was being stoned, said, Lord, do not lay this sin against them. In Acts 7, verses 59 and 60. Could we pray a prayer asking God to bring judgment upon our enemies? This is something that has troubled many throughout time. Now, there are alternate explanations of this. Some who state that we cannot pray such prayers give various reasons. But what I'm going to focus on in this podcast is what I have heard as the most typical reason that we cannot pray such prayers. I've heard people say we cannot pray such prayers <clears throat> because this is what was allowed during Old Testament times. But today, in the New Testament, we live by a higher standard. Sometimes that is given as a reason why we cannot pray these prayers today. I think that explanation faces many difficulties. First of all, it faces the difficulty that in the Old Testament, God's people were told to love their enemies. In Leviticus 19, verse 18, they were to love their neighbor as themselves. But in Leviticus 19, verses 33 and 34, they were also to love the stranger as themselves. In Exodus 23, in verses 4 and 5, the Bible says, if you see your enemy's ox or donkey straying away, Uh, or struggling under a load, you are to help him with that. Exodus 23, verses 4 and 5, and Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22. Stay, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. All of these passages show us that God's people were told to love their enemies in Old Testament times. Also interesting is the Old Testament condemns a person from taking personal vengeance. Proverbs 20 verse 22 says, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. Wait for the Lord and he will save you. In Proverbs 24, in verse 29, do not say, thus I will do to him as he has done to me. I will render to man according to his works. Don't say that. Don't say, he's done this to me, and I am free to do this to him. That was Proverbs 24, verse 29. But again, the Old Testament Does it encourage personal vengeance? Now, some have misunderstood the avenger of blood from the books of the law and maybe come to this conclusion that it was okay to take personal vengeance in the Old Testament. But, But that's not the idea of the avenger of blood. The avenger of blood simply executed a sentence that a court had found. It wasn't the idea that taking personal vengeance was okay. As a matter of fact, it seems to me in Matthew chapter 5 verses 38 through 42 that Jesus is correcting the impression that some had gotten from an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth that allowed personal vengeance. Jesus said it doesn't. Also, Understand that the New Testament has statements of cursing as well. It has God calling, uh, writers calling down judgment upon those who were wicked. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 22, If anyone does not love our Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. And in Galatians 1, verses 8 and 9, if though we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what you have heard, let him be accursed. Galatians 5, 12 also uses strong, imprecatory language. If you're not familiar with that context, look up what Paul said as he talked about those who were demanding that Gentiles be circumcised, Galatians 5 and verse 12. And in Revelation 6, even those saints in the presence of God wondered how long it would be before God would judge and avenge the blood of those who fell upon the earth. One of the few Hebrew words which has made its way into our English vocabulary is the term hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah is only used four times in the New Testament. Hallelujah means praise the Lord, and it's only used four times in the New Testament. And those four times are in Revelation 19 in verses 1 through 6. Revelation 19 verses one through six. And the reason the saints of God and the angels of heaven are shouting hallelujah in that context is because God has brought judgment upon Rome. Yes, it is a reason to rejoice when God judges evil. It's a reason to rejoice. Now, I am not trying to eliminate passages like Matthew 5, 43 through 48, where we're told to pray for our enemies. I'm not trying to eliminate them from the Bible. I'm not trying to eliminate the words of Jesus, the beautiful words of Jesus. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I'm not trying to eliminate those from the Bible, nor from our practice. And I recognize we struggle to practice those words. And I'm not trying to minimize the importance of what God said or the importance of obeying it. But what I am trying to do is to state, do not eliminate these other passages which show God's people praying for judgment upon their foes. Have you ever prayed for the Lord to return? Have you ever used the words that John uses in revelation? Even so come Lord Jesus. If you have used those words, do you recognize the Lord's coming means both salvation for his people but judgment upon those who are wicked. Second Thessalonians one verses three through twelve emphasize those twin truths, both of which will happen when our Lord returns. So in a sense, when we are praying for the Lord to return, we are praying for his judgment upon the wicked. Have you thought about that as an imprecatory prayer? There are so many points that we could make, but these are the points that I would like to leave you with. First of all, prayers like this remind us that evil is real. I've heard people argue that there's no right and there's no wrong. There's nothing inherently evil. No one down deep believes that. No one believes that. Everyone believes there is some line between right and wrong, good and evil, holiness and sinfulness. Everyone believes that. Now, people may draw that line differently based upon their worldviews. And I believe the Bible, God instructs us about his view of things and what we should view as right and wrong. The Bible, God does this. But make no mistake, evil is real. And the Bible says, woe to those who put good for evil and evil for good in Isaiah 5 and verse 20. Evil is real. Evil is real. And we should be outraged by evil. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. You see that in Psalm 119 verse 104. Similar ideas are repeated in Psalm 119 in verses 128 and 163. Through your precepts we get understanding, therefore we hate every false way. Evil is real and we must be outraged by evil. But I want you to understand this third point as well. A lesson from these imprecatory Psalms. Do not misunderstand my point. These passages do not allow us to take vengeance in our own hand. What these passages do is they teach us that we can appeal to God to do what we cannot do. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35. In the New Testament, that's quoted in Romans 12 and verse 19. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It is the Lord's place to repay vengeance, These psalms are not allowing us to hunt down our enemies. They are telling us we can appeal our case to God. As Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 in verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord will repay him in that day. He leaves the handling of Alexander the coppersmith to the Lord. Now, you can see this very clearly illustrated in Psalm 35. In Psalm 35, is David taking personal vengeance on those who have mistreated him? Is he doing that? No, he says in verses 13 and 14 of Psalm 35, As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer kept returning to my bosom. I went out as though it were my friend or brother. I bowed down mourning as one who sorrows for a mother." He is emphasizing how he mourned and grieved when his friends were sick. He did not use his disagreement with them as an excuse to get even with them. He mourned and grieved, but he begged God to do what he could not do. He committed his case to God in the language of 1 Peter 2 and verse 23. And Our motive for praying such prayers in the Bible is tied with our consuming passion for God, our consuming passion to see what is right, done, and to see His name be glorified. Listen to Psalm 58, verse 11. That if God brings judgment on the wicked, in Psalm 58 is an imprecatory Psalm, which hopefully at some point in the future, Lord willing, we will cover. But in Psalm 58, verse 11, men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on the earth psalm 59 in verse 13 destroy them in wrath destroy them that they may be no more that men may know that god rules in jacob to the ends of the earth ends of the earth this passage emphasizes both of these passages psalm 58:11 psalm 59:13 that the reason we beg for vengeance is we beg that God be glorified, that his name be honored, that all stand in respect of him. That is why that such prayers are prayed. We cannot do it simply for personal satisfaction. We must pray such prayers out of a desire for God's glory. I do believe that examining all of God's revelation, there is a place for such prayers in Scripture. There is a place for these prayers of judgment against our foes. We must be careful to maintain respect for God and always be willing to repent. We pray God Save this person from sin. But Lord, if he he continues to rebel against you, please let him not bring havoc on the earth. Please bring his evil ways to an end. An example of how such prayers could be prayed. We do appreciate you listening, and may the Lord continue to bless you. Thank you.